Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Chef Hyken here, and we are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I'm excited today because we have Philip Wolf, the founder of Custify. He's going to be talking to us all the way from Germany, I believe. Is that right? You're in Germany? That's right. That's right. Thank you for having me. All right. Long way from here, but that's all right. It's like we're next door, thanks to the beautiful uh, technology we have today. A couple of quick announcements before we jump into it. If you've got a story that you want to share with us or you've got a question, then please email it to me. Put it on uh, any one of the social channels. I'm everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, I'm there. If it's a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll be sure to answer the question either there uh, via email on this show or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, and you can catch episodes if all you do is check out uh, YouTube-type channels. Go to Be Amazing dot tv all right let's jump right into it we're going to be talking with philip wolf today he is the ceo of customify i'll let him tell you a little bit more about this but it's all about the customer hence the word customify philip welcome to the show thank you thank you thank you for having me and yes you're right all about the customer um and the name exactly uh it took us like a I think a week to come up with the name. So it was, you know, like getting up, getting up a product and company name is not that easy. Took us kind of a week and then we found Castify was still available and that was a great fit. And it's, it's all about the customer. Uh, what we do is um, customer success software. I think uh, most of uh, the audience would probably know what that is. If not, um, in a very brief explanation, getting all the data about the customer in one place, typically that comes from support, that comes from your own product, that comes from sales, from the CRM, that potentially comes from uh, ticketing systems or from payment gateways. So everything you need to know about your customer or SaaS businesses typically need to know about their customers um, is there in one uh, in one place. And that was, was what Castify is all about, knowing um, what, what your customers are doing and how they are using your product. Now, what you just described to me, and that, by the way, one of the, my first question you've already answered without me having to ask the question, which is a little bit more about Customify, but uh, recognizing all the information about the customer is one place. And I realize that's primarily for your agents, uh, customer service agents, right. but also how do you feel about somebody in other departments having access to this information? Is it geared for that type of customer, or I'm sorry, that type of employee as well? Absolutely. So typically what we see is the customer success team is hands-on, meaning they really take it, they take notes, they have tasks in the platform. So they, they manage their day-to-day, uh, let's say, uh, work um, in Castify. However, um, for management, it's very interesting for customer support, for product people, 
Um, so everyone like typically in product management is quite, uh, uh, quite interested in this kind of data. Um, so um, I would say, yes, while customer success and the customer success agent itself, that's the actionable system that they are using. It is used typically in, uh, in other departments as well and can provide great, valuable. Great. So it's meant to be used for other people. Now, yes. uh, I know you're not this, but it sounds a lot like a CRM customer relationship management tool. And I know this isn't what you are, but what you described is a place to put all information about customer. And I would assume right. also the contact you have with the customer in chronological order. So you can look back at their history. What's the difference between this and a typical CRM? Yeah, that's a great question. So actually the term customer relationship management system, CRM itself is a bit misleading these days. If you think about the CRMs, HubSpot, Salesforce, et cetera, what they really are are more like lead management systems, right? Forecasting, pipelining, um, tools for salespeople, tools for, in case of HubSpot, sales with marketing together. But all the bigger CRMs are typically tailored towards sales, sales flows, sales forecasts, sales pipeline management, and so forth. Now, when the customer or the prospect becomes a customer, then they, they lack um, in certain functionalities, for example, this health scoring, right? This feedback from the product, the usage that you have into a system. Typically people can use then kind of visualization tools like Amplitude, Mixpanel, or these kind of uh, other tools, but those are tailored towards product people. So those tools are really not for customer success. It's like not getting fast information. It's like deep dive in the funnel, ABC analytics, these kind of things. While in customer success, you want the quick information. Are they using the feature or are they not using the feature? Do I have to engage with them? What was the last QBR? These kind of things. So you need quick information, not like all the you know deep, deep funnel stuff. And that's where the difference is between a CRM and uh, customer success uh, software mainly, I would say, is the integrations. So yes, you can, like some of the CRMs have integrations, for example, in, in ticketing platforms, but it's not really tailored towards that. Um, and it. the yeah. health scoring and the usage, the let's say the, um, yeah, the dynamic part, if you want. So not having a static system, but having dynamically data fed into the system from your product, um, knowing what features they use, knowing how often they log in, knowing how often they are engaged, knowing their NPS score, knowing these kind of things about the customer. That's, I would say, the, the major difference. So tailored towards um, success people, while the CRM is tailored towards sales people, typically. Great. Yeah. And I think uh, some people use the CRM for exactly the purpose you're talking about. Correct. I'm going to almost say they're used for their, they're capable of doing some of the same used for the right reason. So let's talk about customer success specifically. Um, there, this is a great term. In the beginning, there was customer service. And then somebody real smart said, hey, let's call it customer experience. <laughs> and and in a moment, I'm going to ask you what you think the difference between customer experiences is in customer service. But I also think customer success, people are confused with what that term is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they think it's customer service. So what's the difference between, let's start there, between customer success and customer service? Yes. Um, so I'm one of those persons who also based on our experience, wouldn't draw the super hard line and say, this is exactly like that. And it's exactly like that. And it has to be like in every company. Actually, the reality is with the customers that we work with, we see that every day. It is. It depends on the company. It depends on the structure. It depends on the definition. So it's, it's not just black and white. There's also kind of a gray area. However, 
typically the difference in the service is that this is a reactive kind of way of talking to customers. So the customer has a problem. They reach out to you in a chat. They give you a call. They send you an email. They, they have a question. They reach out. While customer success typically is more proactive, meaning I know they have a problem. I know they are not using this feature. So I'm getting in touch with them. I'm trying to explain this feature to them. I'm trying to engage with them. I have more of a proactive way of working with the customer while the customer support or service is more of a reactive one. Again, not black and white. Many of the times those work very well together. Many of the times even I would say they are in the same department. There is, however, kind of in the industry, there is at least from some of the CSMs that we talk to, there's the opinion that you cannot be both. So either you are proactive or you are reactive. You cannot be both. We see that some of the customers- That's a shame. Yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree because we see some customers where you can, we, we do this the same thing in our own company. So we have customer success managers, but they also would answer your uh, support request or your you know question or do the product trainings and these kind of things. So in my opinion or in my experience, it doesn't have to be completely separated departments. Actually, it can very well be that um, the one and the same person has the ability to answer questions, but also has the proactiveness um, and the, right. the, the, the stuff. It's not necessarily completely different personalities that this is what you typically yep. hear. Agree. And not just different personalities, but different roles. So right. uh, let me, I'm going to give some uh, a summary statement to what you just had, because I'm in total alignment with what you, you are doing. Typically, customer success, as it rolls out, it's like, uh, I just bought a product and it could be anything. It could be a technology, software, even a car, okay? And they don't call it the customer success department at the car dealership I go to. However, uh, once I buy my car, they have somebody sit down and go through all the features of the car with me so that I can best use the car. If I buy a software program, they sit down with me and walk me through ideally avoiding me having to call back and say, Hey, I have a problem or how do I do this? Right. 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 And you're, you're nodding your head. Yes. However, everybody listening can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that is absolutely right. So, but let's take it a step further. And by the way, that's why I hate giving labels. Like mm -hmm. to me, customer service is not a department. It's the philosophy. Right. Customer support is what I think the proper name for the customer service department is, but support can also include elements of success. The customer success onboarding program is different to customer success in the opportunity once the customers engage with you. So I love, uh, and I won't tell you the name of the company, but their initials are AT&T. So <laughs> I, when I called them recently with a question about my international plan, uh, I was getting ready to take another trip. Uh, and actually, you know, with being, you know, coming out of COVID, it's like, where did I go internationally? Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't that far. It was Mexico. Okay. <laughs> but normally I'm going to the other side of the world. And I wondered, had some, I saw some changes over the, over the last year, just in correspondence. I called them up and I asked them what's, what's different. Is there anything different? Does, and what I, paying still works. And they gave me the answer. Okay. They gave me the answer I was actually hoping for, which was, no, you're fine. It's not going to cost you any money. Then the rep said, you know what, can I take a, an extra minute here to take a look at your, your um, profile and, and how you're using us? I want to make sure you're on the right program. Mm 
And wow, they took a moment to spend time with me because there was a chance that I was going to call back when I realized I've been hearing this promotion and I'm not part of it. Mm -hmm. And they said, we need to get you on this. And proactively, she saved me a little bit of money. It wasn't much, but it was the gesture more than anything that she got proactive. Right. To me, that's part of customer success, knowing, hey, this customer just asked me this question. If I don't answer another question that they haven't asked yet, they're going to be forced to call me back. But we know what question they're going to ask next time based on experience. Yep. That's what you're talking about. Is that right? That is right. That is right. And if you think about that, that is probably a great example. However, if you think about or the audience thinks about all the pieces, all the software pieces that you are currently using in your organization, there's probably 10, 15, I don't even know, right? Many typically. Who of those would actually, who of those can you remember that proactively reached out to you because, yeah, you didn't use it to the, to the full extent or you didn't understand something immediately uh, and you got proactively a call, an email, a message, a chat, whatever. Um, but this is still, even though customer success becomes more and more uh, popular and more and more companies practice, it's still rather uh, rarely happening um, that you get this experience. And I wish really that, um, more SaaS companies go into that approach and invest into this. Um, yeah, it, it is human resource intensive in, in the end to, to have this ability to be proactive. Um, but I really wish that uh, more uh, companies uh, go that route because it, as you say, it leaves, it's such a great experience that you even remember now this call. Um, and it's many of the times you can really save a lot of time with the tool like, yeah, like what we do like with right. Incastify where you know which customer has a problem. You don't need to like crunch data for two hours and then reach out to one customer. You directly know which one customer, which customers you reach out to. And this can be a minute or two that you spend with them on the phone. And this makes a big, big difference when it comes to renewal, when it comes to your next upsell or cross-sell opportunity that might be down the road, et cetera. This right. will be in the, like it is in your head now with this experience will be in the head of your customer. Yeah. And even if it's not a SaaS company, it's any type of company. And right. I agree. It takes more time. You said it's HR intensive. I don't believe, uh, I believe in the end, it saves you money because then the customer doesn't have to call back and go through authentication and yes. everything else that leads up to getting that second question answered or that second issue resolved. Yes. And, and furthermore, I think it's not only, it, it, it ties to retention and revenue enhancement if you do it right, because that's what customers do. They stay with you, they spend more. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I wanna talk about how you can prevent uh, customers churning. In other words, leaving you and having to replace them uh, and, and other important things that everybody needs to know about. Uh, we're talking with Philip Wolf, who is the founder and CEO of Customify. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. The book ships out in September, but purchase it today and you'll get instant access to the ebook at no extra charge. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back 
almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Philip Wolf, who is the CEO and founder of Customify. And we've been talking about customer success and the difference between success and, and general service and how it can enhance the experience. Um, I want to talk about what's known as churn prevention. One of the problems that many companies face is customer churn. The idea being we need to reduce churn as much as possible. And for those listening who, for whatever reason, might not know what churn is, that is customers leaving and you having to replace them. So your churn rate might be, you know, we lose 7% of our customers every year, but we're gaining by 10%. And if you do the general simple math, it's not quite this easy, but you can say, wow, uh, basically we have to, you know, have 70% increase, 17% increase it's really a, almost that number, not quite, to uh, hit a 10% uh, increase in customers because you're losing 7%. You have to replace those plus get new ones to grow. Um, let's talk about how you prevent that. I mean, obviously, deliver great service. Mm-hmm. It's more than that. It's Philip, Yeah, absolutely. It's more than that. And um, this is the number one reason why people reach out to us. So this is when we talk to our sales team, typically reducing churn is the thing. This can be either down the road of the company when they get another investment round and they look at the numbers or it's just purely this realization that you just said like, wow, like we lose half of the customer every month that we like onboard, half of them are basically gone. A lot of work. 50%. 50 I I use 7% to be like, you know, very optimistic. I didn't mean mean 50% of all your customers. I mean 50% of your new customers. So basically you onboard 10 and in the same time, five of your older customers are leaving you. So net, net, you grow by five, not by 10. So you have amazing results in sales by 10. In fact, net, net, by the end of the month, there are only five left because five others left you in the meantime. And that is indeed a problem. And, um, Negative churn is the, let's say, the ultimate goal for SaaS business, meaning you're not only not losing customers, you are also able to upsell, cross-sell customers throughout their lifecycle with you. Meaning, theoretically, without onboarding any new customer, you still, you're still uh, increasing your revenue. That's where you ultimately, as a SaaS company, would like to be. That's obviously very, very hard. Churn is something everybody has. Now, churn prevention. Now, what... What can people do about churn? So typically this depends first of all on the business model. So we have customers that are high touch. We have customers extremely high touch. Say you have 10 customers, but all of them are like big, big labels. Or you have a hundred customers, semi big labels. Or you have a hybrid system where you have a hundred very, very big customer. And then you have 10,000 SMBs. However, those 10,000 SMBs might make 60, 70% of your revenue. You cannot just neglect them. And these strategies, they typically, first of all, uh, um, are different in the, let's say, in what kind of environment you are. High touch, low touch, tech touch, if you want to call it like that. So a lot of automation that you might want to do in order to prevent them. If people cancel, um, you don't directly cancel, you first of all schedule a call. That's like one of the tactics, one of our customers, we did a case study recently with them, super successful did. So if customers want to cancel, instead of canceling them directly, they basically hop on a call with them. 
why did you want to cancel? Can you explain it? Can I offer you something? Is there something I can do? And surprisingly, I don't have the numbers exactly, but it's like 30% or something they could recover from those that would want to cancel, they could recover. Giving them a discount, giving them a product training, giving them something. Um, that's one of the things. So if people are inside, however, that's quite late in the stage, right? So you want to actually right. not even get them there. And I was hoping you were going to say that yes. because I was going to jump in and say, <laughs> look, you know, if it's at that point, it's too late, really, uh, because there's a number of people that yeah. just aren't calling. They're just leaving. Exactly. Exactly. So um, in the end, it's all about making sure that the customer gets the value from your platform. So that's that's kind of how how short you can put it. Now, of course, what does it mean to get value from your platform is very subjective. It's very different for each one of your uh, customers. But if you think about it, what we typically do when we onboard a new customer and exactly that question, so how do I know they get value from my platform? Go on your pricing page, go on your feature lists, see what kind of things you have listed there as benefits, right? So this is what you sell. This is why people pay you money. And that's your primary KPIs that you track. And if someone in, gets this value from the core um, that your product delivers, the core value that your product delivers, it's very, very unlikely that they churn. There is churn you cannot prevent if they go out of business, if they get acquired and they have another service on top and so forth. There's not really much you can do. Um, but in the other cases, if someone gets value from your product, that's the number one thing. Then, of course, the higher you get, uh, higher in the sense of high touch you get, the more in the enterprise environment that you're moving to, mm -hmm. the more these QBRs, the more the relationship building, the more uh, the, uh, let's say, understanding of the organization, who is the decision maker, who is your uh, power user, uh, are they still in the company, if they leave, who is my next follow up, and so forth. The more you get into that more strategic kind of customer success uh, practices where you really influence people, you know your organization, you have a tight relationship with several um, stakeholders within this account. And that's kind of, a, let's say, the more higher touch you get, the more important this part gets um, aside from the value. So uh, that's, that's kind of the typical tactics there. But in the end, it's all about value that you provide your service, your product provides to them. And if someone gets right, value, right. if you imagine yourself, you have a Netflix, uh, you, have a, you, you, you look Netflix. So you pay every month, I don't know, 10 bucks or something, right? So if all of a sudden, like you, you watch like five hours a week and then your usage goes down four hours, three to one hour a week, half an hour a week in the end, that is kind of an alarming signal because in the end you will look at your credit card and say, mm, well, for half an hour for this one thing that I watch one a week, probably no, probably I'm gonna cancel, right? And that's kind of the indicator that you get like just metaphorically, but for your product, if someone is not getting the value anymore from your product service, that's the first alarming signal and that's where you can get uh, right. Notice that they're not coming in as much. Notice they're not using your product if you can track the usage. Right. You know, obviously, not every company can track usage of product like Netflix or yes. Uh, so we can notice if if my uh, airline says, "Hey, we noticed you haven't flown in the last six months." Right. Forget about COVID. Um, they should notice that, especially with their top flyers. Right. What happened? What happened? Yeah. And why did you give us a bad rating in the last launch visit? And um, we saw that you. And yet you have all the data there exactly to draw those conclusions. Absolutely. Yeah. So they, they should be proactive. I love that. And I think that's, that's the, uh, the, to summarize it, you have the information, by the way, you said more than this, but the big point I have is if you have the information, use the information, just having it is nice. You can track trends. You can try to do things differently in the future. But if you see customers are specifically saying things to you, um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to have a call with a, uh, 
company that I've been doing business with for the last 10 years. This is coming up on Thursday. And I told them I'm thinking about leaving and they got to do what they can. So I'm not just dropping. I'm the guy that's their perfect customer that's telling them, you know, so they don't have to recover after I've stopped paying my annual fee. They have to recover beforehand. And I think they probably will um, because I, I, they're just going to educate me on all the things I'm not doing that I could be doing. And I'm going to be all excited all over again. Yeah, hopefully. Anyway, We are running out of time. So I just want to uh, hit you with one more question. Everybody knows who's listened to the show. It's coming. It's the one thing question. What little nugget of information do you want to leave us with that one last nugget? What would it be? So definitely, if just repeating exactly what we said, if you have this information, try to get proactive. Think about yourself. If you are using a software, how great would that be if that's uh, or a service? How great would it be if those guys reach out to you proactively and what, what that feeling uh, gives you and try to try to bring that into your organization. It's just going to make a huge difference. Um, and it's a long-term game. So don't get frustrated if you don't see results in one or two months. That's not, that, that's not how this works. It's a long-term game, but stick with it. I can just like uh, tell you from our customers, this is the best thing you can do. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it doesn't even have to be a, a service or a SaaS product. Software is a service product. It can be anything. I buy a car and I personally don't buy a car every two or three years. I, take a little bit longer, but that doesn't mean the automobile dealership shouldn't be in touch with me a little more often to make sure I'm happy, make sure I'm, and today, by the way, today, the automobile companies say, Hey, you know, have you downloaded the latest software that runs the computer in your car? <laughs> yeah, that's how this you works. Know, you but you're absolutely right. right. You're absolutely I mean, right. right. It can, can be any kind of service. Imagine yeah. the car dealer is going to give you a call two weeks after, four weeks after, and then maybe three months after. Hey, still everything all right? Is there something I can do? Um, yeah, I have this weird thing. Ah, did you know that you do this and this to, to fix it? Ah, no. Wow, great, right? So exactly. It can be yeah, And maybe service. even a year from now, a real estate agent that sells somebody a home, they may, you know, the average person moves every seven years. You don't renew the relationship right. three months before the seven years has gone by. You you continuously find ways to add value. And I think that's part of what customer success does. It's adding value uh, somewhat and sometimes proactively to ensure your customers are optimizing the use of whatever it is that you sell, be it a service, software, or even a tangible product, business to business, business to consumer. It doesn't matter. Well, Philip, thanks so much for being on the show. Great insights here. This is why we call it amazing business radio. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And I sure hope you tune in next week when we will have another great interview. And until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.